Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. We're going to continue on our series. I started last week as uh, we're, we, we're talking about uh, a path. Uh, we're setting a path here for Topeka First, and we're we're entering this second week, and I'm calling it, where, where, uh, where are we going? And everybody has their own perspective about life and ministry, and we understand that. We all have different focus. But what's really important is we understand what the Lord is saying to us as a church, uh, as a body. And, uh, and last I heard, it seems like when I read it in the Scripture, uh, that, that we find that Jesus is the head of the church. And one of the things that He says... Uh, over in Mark, he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And so uh, that just kind of reminds me and should remind all of us that he knows what he's doing and he has a plan for us. And so I don't know about you, but have you ever experienced an earthquake or a tornado, one of those wonderful things that happen, those storms in life? And an earthquake is kind of interesting because you really don't have anything to hold on to. I know the first time we experienced what, well, really the second for me, but the first time out west is we were uh, in the house and here comes the earthquake and the house is like rocking like a boat. It's kind of like doing the waves. And it was the freakiest thing I'd ever been a part of in my life. And, and so that was happening and you're like, what do you do? Well, you know, you have to get out of the house, stay away from any power lines. So if they fall down and all that kind of stuff, you have to you have to get to a safe place, but, but you don't really have anything to hold on to. Uh, there we, my office at the, the church when I was out there was also on the second floor, and there was a few times that I was up there, and the bookkeeper was on the other side of it, and the youth pastor on the other side of that upstairs, and one time it was shaking, and the whole church was going, could you imagine? It was fun. And so we ran, we ran downstairs and got outside because we needed to hold on to something. Maybe you've walked through a tornado yourself, and you, you know what those are like. Usually, uh, I've been in the basement or a cellar or something like that when those things come through, and we've had them at the time. And it may be green outside, you know, really pitch black or green, whatever it's going to be. And, and that, that thing comes through, and, and it's like a freight train. And, and so those are some, some interesting times. We all face those. Uh, and, uh, but... But in the end, what happens is we end up cleaning up the rubble and we rebuild and we, we lend a hand to and recognize that we're still here and we still have something to do on. We have to go on, right? And so no matter, how, uh, no matter how strong a storm is in your life, no matter how powerful the wind, no matter how enticing people's ideas that attempt to deceive even the very elect at times, uh, that can come along in the way, but none of those things can really overcome and overpower the true church of God because Jesus is the head of the church and the gates of hell won't prevail against him. So we have to ask ourselves some things. We have to say, where are we going? Where are we looking? And two years ago, on uh, September 22nd of 2020, I woke up late at night and I, I really had to... Uh, uh, I finally realized that the Lord was trying to get my attention about something, and so I, I spent some time praying. I realized that, and and so I got out some paper to write some things down. I felt like the Lord was putting it in my heart, and 
And so uh, part, part of that uh, that the Lord gave me was, I haven't called you to greatness, but service. But, uh, and then some of what you see around you in Amer the American church is simply about greatness. And you've been called uh, by me to serve, and when you do, you will see the difference. The broken will be healed, the lost will be found, the hurting will be healed, and I will walk among you. See, some of that message, of course, was the Lord was speaking into, uh, into my life, but I realize as I go on that the Lord was speaking more. It's more than just to me. It's more towards the church. And then at September the 7th of this year, before the, we had our 100th year anniversary, uh, uh, the, the Lord kind of brought some of these things back to me and just reminded me that he would build his church and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. And, and uh, so we have, we have to, uh, I've got some things here that I'm going to share with you. It it's really starts out as a one-page thing, but I'm going to kind of lay it out a little bit for you in and, and, and three different uh, sermons. And, uh, and, Sunday, and uh, Sundays to really break it down. If you feel like you don't get it all, you can always go to the podcast and listen to the podcast or, or go back onto the website and watch again to be able to hear what is said. But but it comes down to this. Uh, for us at Topeka First, you're not called to greatness, but to service. For us as a body, that, that's what we are called to. And right before Jesus launched out his ministry, uh, actually, which was the greatest ministry that the world has ever, ever known, through his disciples even, and his church, he taught them a lesson. And Jesus washed the feet of his leading disciples. I say leading disciples because the 12 were the, the key ones, but he had a lot of other disciples around him, but these were the key ones. And, and he took a towel and he washed their feet. And the goal wasn't so they would have clean feet, but it was to help them to understand that they were called to service. Jesus had even told them, uh, he said it in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he said, For even the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said that himself. It's like, wait a second, you're the Son of God, the Son of Man, and you're saying for you that you've just come to serve? That just seems interesting. You're the, supposed to be the king, the leader, uh, and how could this be? So, but... But Jesus also said this in Matthew 23, 11, and he said this. He said, the, the greatest among you will be your servant. So their service really included much sacrifice, and they changed the world. Yet, uh, yet Jesus, uh, his work of adding value in the lives of people has not been finished. He still has a plan in front of each and every one of us. And we still have work to do, and you're not called to greatness, but to service. We understand that really greatness just simply draws attention to ourselves. That's really what that kind of thing is, and service adds value to others, and that's where we need to be. The gospel is about adding value to the life of an individual. It adds value to their life. It adds value to your community. And that's, what, that's the way it needs to be for us who follow Jesus. We have to be able to focus on the outside and, of course, allow the Lord to work on the inside. 
but we have to be able to focus on others and minister to them as well. And, and that goes for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. So, okay, so what, what we're going to do is look at three things. And the first thing is this, and uh, how Jesus added value to people. We want to see that. And the second part of that is how the early church added value to people. And then the third thing is how the, the church has added value to people over the centuries, because they've done that. Now, we could spend 30 days on that, right? Don't worry, we're not going to, and because uh, we all may get bored at some point. But re really, these things, they set the stage for what God is calling us to for 2025. You say 2025. Well, yeah, it's for what well, we have to look down the future. We have to see the future, and we don't see everything. We don't understand everything. But what we're called to do is what he asks us to. And if we're going to be, if we're going to become what God has, is calling us to be, then we need to set the stage for that so that we can run that direction. You heard me last week and we talked about missions and some of those things that are important. We're going to hit some other things here as well. But the first thing we're going to look at here is what, what did Jesus do? Well, the first thing he did is he added value to people. He added value to the lives of people. And you can see, you have to see how. So we're going to look at how Jesus did this in a couple ways this morning. And first, we know that Jesus healed the sick and the lame and the demon-possessed. It doesn't take long when you are reading the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, especially before you find Jesus healing the lives of people. We've been going through the book of uh, Gospel of Mark in our life, my life group on Wednesday nights, and it doesn't take long before we see Jesus in Capernaum doing that. In Mark chapter 2, verse 2, uh, it says, They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left in the house that they were at, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. That's what he was doing, and, and uh, he was proclaiming the kingdom of God. And then we find this while Jesus is teaching in the, this house there in Mark chapter 2, verse 3. He says, some men came bringing, uh, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the, the mat the man was lying on. Uh, that'd be interesting. Maybe some of the ceiling falling on you or whatever. And then it says in verse 5 there, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Really an interesting statement. But then Jesus finds himself uh, being challenged by the people who cared more about uh, the rules uh, and the rules that they had formed than this paralyzed guy themselves. And but Jesus was all about adding value to him. It's interesting because Jesus, uh, he, he adds value to him, announces forgiveness to this man, and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And we know this mankind, that we know that mankind sinned in the Garden of Eden, and, and it opened the door uh, for sickness and disease and all kinds of other things. We know that from Genesis uh, if you look there, but we don't know exactly if, the, if this guy here, it was a personal issue with him or what. Jesus really doesn't say. Uh, but what we do know is that Jesus added value to his life by forgiving his sin. So he said to the man, 
He said uh, there, what is it, verse uh, 11, he says, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. So he got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all and, he, and amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. See, Jesus saw this man. He saw him as a person who was broken, a person who was hurting and, and, and in need. And, and so he was trying to step up and help. And his life had been affected. But even when Jesus was interrupted, he gave this man value again. And don't, don't you think that this man felt discouraged in a situation that happens in life, right? And Jesus forgave him and he restored him. You'd have thought he'd have focused more on just his uh, physical situation, but there's bigger things than that. If, you, if you've experienced God's forgiveness, you know what it is to feel valued again. Experiencing that forgiveness, it, bring, it brings value in your life. God is saying, look, I love you, and I have something that I've offered for you. So we, we have that opportunity to share that value with those who receive it, with those who will receive it. So Jesus also added value to some other people. We know that. You can go through the Gospels and see it. He invited religious seekers to, to take the next step and to enter the kingdom of God. We find this over in John chapter 3. And uh, we find this uh, in that Gospel. And, and G, uh, this guy was trying to figure things out there. And since he was, a, he was a teacher himself, most people thought he had things all together, but it was evident he didn't. He didn't understand all of it, and he was open to what God was doing. And in John chapter 3, verse 1, we find it says this, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. He, he realized that this was more than just one of their, one of their uh, uh, spiritual people at the time, a soothsayer or whatever you want to call him. He was more than just, uh, just, the, uh, uh, just the psychic down the street, so to speak. It was not like that. They realized this was the real deal. And he understood that. And so Nick knows that God is doing big things through Jesus, but he just can't connect the dots. He can't put it together yet. So Jesus comes along and he tells him in John chapter 3, verse 3, he says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. <laughs> this, that confuses Nick. Uh, he, if you look at it, that just confuses him. And in so many words, he says, how is this physically possible? There is no way. That, that's confusing. And so we see that he just doesn't understand. But Jesus took the time to add value to his life and to, to speak some more. And he said in John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives birth to Spirit. So Jesus took the time to reveal what even the prophet Jeremiah had spoken of and had prophesied in the Old Testament 
uh, as others did too, but those who had been born of the Spirit of God would be part of His kingdom. And we offer that same experience to others ourselves. That's for us as followers of Jesus. We want to offer that to others so that they have that opportunity in this world that we are living in. Jesus even takes Nick further down the path uh, to the cross before it actually happened. And he says this in John chapter 3, verse 16. That's that, that famous statement, but sometimes we only quote that, and we'll look at the next verse later. But it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus came to add value to your life. He came to add value to your life through faith in his death on the cross so that you could have that forgiveness that he offers and only he can offer. Then he says over there in verse 17, he says these words, he's, Jesus said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus is telling him right there, he's, he's saying, look, I haven't come just to condemn you. That's not what I'm doing. That's no, he's correcting, helping, guiding, and then he is giving his life so that they can be forgiven, so that we can be forgiven. So you and I have been called to add value to other people's lives by sharing the gospel. We've been called to add value to their lives by sharing the gospel. Recently, I had somebody that told me that about sharing the gospel with somebody. It was at a very low level they were doing that, trying to engage that other person's life, and they were trying to plant a seed by asking some questions. But, and we understand that sometimes some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. And we get to take part in that as we relate to others. No, it's not just the preacher's job. It's all of our jobs because we are called as his children. He has chosen you and I to be his kids. And he loves us and he wants us to share it with others. See, Jesus also did something else. He helped the woman at the well recognize she still had value left. So in John chapter 4, it says this, in, in verse 4, it says, Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town uh, in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And, when, the, and a, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Then he says there in verse 9, he said, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? It's that cultural thing, right? And for Jews, do not associate with Samaritans. That's, that's what John shows in there to help us understand in verse 10, it says, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And we understand that Jesus had to clear up some things for her to help her really to understand and to catch what he was saying. And because she didn't quite understand, kind of like Nick, right? Isn't that the way most of us are? The Lord may speak into our lives and we're like, huh? What, God? I don't know if I get that, God. And sometimes we're dull. 
Maybe that's just me. Is it just me? <laughs> uh, but, but I think sometimes we're just dull a little bit and we're, we're not catching what the Lord is saying. And so Jesus goes on with her and he talks a little bit more. And then he asked her, he said, okay, he's setting her up. He said, why don't you go call your husband? And he knows she doesn't have a husband anymore. She's had five of them, right? And the one she had now is not, not her husband. She's living, he's, uh, she's living with him. And he goes on, it was like this, this woman, she understood that it's like the prophetic word comes out to him and, and it's speaking into her life and she's like, wait a second. And she starts recognizing, hey, well, we know the Messiah is coming, you know, what's, and she gets into some religion, religious topic and talk and then Jesus kind of brings her back and, and then Jesus revealed to her, yes, I, I'm he. He's the Messiah. He says it to a Samaritan woman, somebody that you wouldn't expect him to do that, but he adds value into her life. Most of the others probably wouldn't have even talked to her, but Jesus, he knew she needed to see her value. And if Jesus added value to people's lives, then he wants us to add value to others as well today. It's what we're called to do. The second thing, what, what did the early church do? So that's the other part of this. What did the early church do? Because where we're going depends on what Jesus did, did what the early church did as well. We, we see in what he wants us to do. And so what did the early church do? They added value to people as well. They, they, uh, they fed and they cared for widows who, who were lacking resources uh, so they were destitute. It's a different time, and there was no social security system. And, and if their family left them on their own, they were stuck. They were destitute at that point. And we find the early church reaching out to them in, in the book of Acts. Uh, and we actually find this when there was uh, kind of a racial thing happening there too. And, and, and the thing that was surfacing in the, in the church was working on correcting that. And you find it over in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. And so we see there, it says, In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So you understand Hellenistic, which means they were, they were Jewish people that were Greeks. They were, they were Greek, so they probably spoke Greek. They were Hellenistic. And then you have the Hebraic ones. They spoke Hebrew or probably Aramaic. And so there's a little bit of different groups that are happening. Not really unlike the Samaritan woman, because they, the, as, as bad as it sounds, they, they were mixed with other peoples, and because that's the way the Assyrians did with them when they overtook them. And they would put all these different kinds of peoples in one place so that they uh, could can gain power on them. But then we find over in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, these words. And when it talked about helping the widows in need, he says this. It says, uh, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. And he's clarifying, right? And, and then in verse 4, it says, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should, should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. 
He was uh, there, Paul was giving uh, Timothy some direction there in 1 Timothy, and he was trying to help people understand a little bit what they needed to do and to take care of one another. And so what were they about? What were they about? They were about adding value to people. They were about adding value, and that's where we need to be, not just inside of the body, but also adding value to people who are outside. And the church, uh, they shared Christ with all kinds of people. If you look through the book of Acts and into some of the letters too as well, they shared Christ with so many different kinds of people because they were worth the risk. People are worth the risk. Sometimes we don't think it in our minds, and we have to correct ourselves, right? It's like, I don't know about that person. Jody probably looks at me at times and says, oh, I don't know about that guy. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you know, so look at, let's see what Acts chapter 17 says in verse 6. I find this, I find this interesting. It's while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. He's out, you know, he's preaching, he's, he's the missionary guy, and he's doing that. But really, remember, we all have that same job. And in verse 17, it says, he, So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks. So you got two different group, groups there, right? That goes back to the same thing, the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. And so, though, so he does that. He's preaching the gospel there as well as the marketplace day by day with those who happen to be there. And then in verse 18, he says, he gets into some other specific groups. It's a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. And some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? So he got in some interesting conversations, right? And so here in this, this one short passage with just a few verses, we find him dealing with four different groups of people. Paul is probably uh, Hellenistic because he came from Tarsus. But he went across all kinds of lines to minister to people. What about us? He said, well, I don't know if I can do that. When God gives us opportunities, we need to take those opportunities because he will always put people in our lives. That's why we pray too, right? We pray and ask God to do that. And then when there, we have others, others, uh, uh, we, others that need Jesus and they're not receptive, then what do we do? We pray and say, God, work in their lives. Send other people besides us there. Lord, please do that. Because while we have an obligation, we have a responsibility, we have an opportunity to be able to share hope with people who need hope. So many in the early church, they, they took uh, some personal risks to be witnesses of Jesus to all kinds of people, just as Paul did with these different people here in Athens, Greece, which is Greece now. But it, it was a risk that not only the apostles took, uh, but even we can see people like Philip and other pre others preaching the good news of Jesus and sometimes we think only the big dogs can lead the way on that kind of thing. But, but God doesn't always open the doors that way. God doesn't always open the door to the big dogs, if you want to call them. What are you going to do when God opens the door for you to share your faith and there's no big dog preacher there to help you? Share your faith. 
Maybe you get some, get some wisdom. Sometimes people will come to me and talk to me and say, hey, what do you think about this, how I handle this situation? Sure, yeah, I'm there to be able to try to help, right? But, but ultimately, uh, each and every one of us have an opportunity to engage people. And a lot of times, God puts them in your pathway simply because you're the one to do it. He doesn't want the big dogs because probably the big dogs will mess it up, Right? Uh, It's just the way it is. God puts people in each one of our pathways for a purpose and for a reason. Because he loves people, he wants to add value to their lives, but but we have to be open and ready to be able to share that value with others too. The third thing here is this. What what has the church done over the centuries? That would take us forever to get through that. Don't worry, Uh, we we all want to go eat something later on, so I'm not going to take... Forever, but, but we do need to hear what God is saying to us and challenging us. Uh, uh, what did the church do over the centuries? They added value to people's lives. I'm not saying they were perfect, because we can go back through the centuries and see where they were pretty weak and they messed up a lot too. We know that. We're aware of that. And I guess that should remind us, sure, that people mess up and they sin. Even, even if they're in the church, they mess up. But they need, to be, they need to be able to turn and to follow the direction that the Lord has for them. What did, the, what did the church do in the Middle Ages? As weak as it was, they took in babies who were abandoned for dead, and they named them, and they cared for them. They did that. Even some of the churches had a revolving door that was set up in the wall uh, at the street, and so they could... Uh, somebody could set their child there because they could no longer take it, take care of them, and they would turn it around, and then they would pick up the baby. Was there a risk in that? Sure. Who was doing it? It, it? it wasn't the pagans that was doing it. It wasn't them. It was God's people doing it. Why? Because they saw the value of the kids. They saw the value of the children. They took risks. I don't know if you realize, but they took such risks that sometimes those children had communicable diseases and those, they, were, they put them there because they didn't want to take care of them. And so some of the people that worked inside there did not make it because they got the disease that baby had. They were taken, it's, it's a real thing. They took risks. They did it. it. It was a risk, but they added value to people. And the caring church has done many things, built clinics and hospitals for the sick and outcasts like lepers. I remember living in Africa, one of the things that we did there, and I know the guys that I worked with still do it. They still go out into the village areas and the difficult areas where they don't have a lot of health care, and they still will bring out a team of people and give them shots for vaccines for whatever's needed at the time, you know, meningitis and those kind of things. And they do other things to be able to assist them and to help them. And, and, and I know, I remember times shaking hands with people who had the modern day leprosy, uh, who had lost their fingers and hands and uh, ears and noses and all that from the disease and shook their hands because they had a place because people were willing to engage them and to help them. And they created hospitals with them up in northern, uh, northern uh, Nigeria. It was uh, a tough area. Very tough area, in fact. Some of you know, heard of the stories of those areas as well. But they did that because they reached out. 
They had the opportunity then to be able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's not just there. Yes, missions is part there, but it's also here as well in what we do. Uh, and they, they found creative ways to impact people's lives. They added value to them. God, you know, can give us, even as individuals, different ways to be able to add value to the lives of others. Another thing they did, they took in orphans. They built homes to raise them in. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 27 says this. It says, religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless in this, it uh, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Uh, and, and taking them in, they gave them a chance to have a good life. They, they provided an opportunity for them to meet Christ as their Savior. They added value to them. In the world we, we live in today, I know that so many people have gotten a little frustrated with the world and the culture shifts and all those kind of things that happen and all. We need to learn to, or maybe relearn to be compassionate. Relearn to be compassionate. As we wrap this up this morning, Topeka First is called not to greatness, but to service. We're called to add value to the lives of people in our communities around us. H how do we add value? Well, there's about three ways we can say we add value this morning. Sharing the message of Jesus and his love for, for them. That's the first thing we're going to do. Share the message of Christ with people through the ministries of Capital Kids. Some of you in here are serving in that. And we appreciate you guys. Capital Kids, which includes Royal Rangers and Impact Girls and now, Elizabeth's going to be our new coordinator for uh, Impact Girls now. So, hallelujah, thank the Lord. And some of the others were saying that. They were happy, right? Yeah, I hear some of those claps, yeah. So, that we're, we're glad. So, and also we preach the gospel through Topeka First Student Ministry so that the next generation can hear and understand and be strong to live in the world that they live in. And, and, and also, the second thing here is reaching out in creative ways to meet, meet needs by putting together a, a way to help through benevolence ministry and backpack giveaways, you know. Uh, so how, how do we add value? A third thing is, is this, is by extending our message of the message of Jesus and the message of hope through local and foreign missions. By leading chapels, we you know we do once a chapel once a month for Topeka Rescue Mission. We'll continue doing that, ministering to people there, and by helping with foreign mission projects. You know, we talked about missions last week, but it's not it's one level to give, and we're doing that. And thank the Lord for you guys that are giving towards that. So we have a great opportunity to support missionaries overseas and home as well. Uh, but but uh, there, there are also other opportunities for foreign missions projects to do. There are different things that we're going to be able to do in the future. <laughs> and you say, well, I don't, how are we going to do that, Pastor Mike? I don't know. Yeah, well, we're, it's, we're not there yet. We're doing some of these things. We're not there yet, but we will be getting there by the grace of God. Amen? 
as we work together, as we seek the face of God, and as we allow him to work in our lives and through us, we will see him do things. He partners together with his people. Some things we had to plan to do better, right? Absolutely. Some haven't started yet, but we'll start. We'll get going. We, it just takes a while sometimes. It takes a while to move a ship, right? To turn a ship. It takes a while to do that. We've been steering for a while, and, and we're going we're gonna to keep turning. We're going to be going, right? Keep your hearts open to what God has. Because I do believe that God has some things in store for us. And I think if we're willing to allow him to speak into our lives and willing to allow him to do what he wants to do, we will make an impact in our community. That's his desire more than anything. Amen? I'm not sure where you're at in your relationship with Jesus and your walk with him. But what we do know is Jesus came to give us life on the cross. He did that so that we could have hope. Not hope like the world has, you know, hope that the Chiefs win today. You know, those things are nice. They're fun. They're fun little side things to enjoy. But there are things a lot bigger than that. And we have the opportunity to be a part of something that's much bigger than us. It's about the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, we're, we're together. We're, we're working together one to one, helping one another and, and uh, seeing God work. Let's keep our hearts open to what God has for us. Let me pray for you. Father, we look to you this morning. We look to you and ask you just to help each and every one of us as we keep our hearts and our minds open and attuned to what you want to do in and through our lives as a body, as individuals, as families, as friends, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would help us just to keep our focus on your plan and on this path that you are setting in front of us. Father, may we not look to the left or to the right, but may we keep our focus on you because you have a plan. And Father God, we trust you. Father, we, we come to you with expectant hearts. And Father, we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.